Welcome to Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations with Nina Impala. Do you have questions about death? How about events surrounding death? Or perhaps you have questions that need to be answered after death. On this program, we talk frankly and openly about the subject and invite you to share your comments and experiences as well. Now, here is your host, Nina Impala. Hello, everybody. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving out there. I have with me today Jeffrey Olson. I'm very excited for this show. It's just his book has been so inspiring, and there's there's so much in it I want to talk about today, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about him first. So Jeffrey Olson is a best-selling author who inspires audiences internationally with his intriguing story of perseverance and inner strength. After a horrific automobile accident took the lives of his wife and youngest son, also inflicting multiple life-threatening injuries to Jeff, including the amputation of his left leg, he found the courage to survive over 18 surgeries, eventually healing both physically and emotionally, to thrive in his career and community contributions. Jeffrey's incredible near-death experience as a result of the accident brings him gifts not common in today's world. Jeffrey appears on many national and international television radio programs sharing his insights. His latest book, Knowing, is a compilation of his earlier books with even deeper insights and extended chapters. Knowing can be found on Amazon in all formats. Jeffrey's personal platform, Awaken to Oneness, includes personal one-on-one mentoring and group gatherings, both physically and virtually around the world. Among Jeff's many accomplishments, and I love this, he is most fulfilled by simply being a husband, father, and a friend. So, welcome to the show, Jeffrey. Gosh, thank you, Nina. It's a pleasure and an honor to be with you. I'm so excited to have you on and talk about all the things that you and I have discussed that we're going to talk about today. And I think, you know, let's just go ahead and start. I think everybody will want to know what really happened to you that started you on this incredible spiritual journey that is, there's just no words to express all of it. But why don't you just tell us what happened on that day? And we'll yeah, I will, I, I will go back and it, it's been over 20 years. And, and quite honestly, I couldn't I couldn't even speak of it for for almost a decade. I would just I would just cry. But what what happened? And when I say cry, there were sometimes tears of joy and mostly tears of grief and pain. But we had a horrible automobile accident as a family. The whole family was in the car. Myself, my wife, our two young boys. My oldest was seven years old at the time, and our youngest son was just a toddler, uh, just fourteen months old. But I lost control of the car on a family road trip, and the car rolled. It was a horrible uh, rollover. I had the cruise control set at 75, and instead of rolling off the road, the car rolled down the road. Mm. And uh, Tamara, my wife, and my youngest son, Griffin, were killed instantly in the accident. I sustained some horrible injuries. Both my legs were crushed. Um, my left leg was eventually amputated above the knee. Hmm. I, uh, I, I broke my back, uh, damaged my back. Ironically, the spinal column wasn't damaged, but L4 and L5 were broken. Yeah. Uh, my right arm was nearly pulled off. My, uh, my, my rib cage was battered up and my lungs were collapsing. And then the seatbelt cut through me and ruptured all my insides. Um, my intestines were ruptured in the accident. I had no idea of the injuries. When the car came to a stop, I I simply heard my oldest son crying. 
And I wanted to get to him, but that's when I realized I couldn't move and was pinned. Hmm. But there was also the horrible realization that no one else was crying. And I, I knew at the scene that Tamara and Griffin were both gone. Yeah. Now, you know, that's when the beginning of this near-death experience happened. I mean, it was in that darkest, darkest moment that yeah. I, I felt like light came. It's like I was surrounded with light and rose above the accident. And the incredible thing is, as, as I was literally wondering, how can this be? How am I okay? I can breathe. The pain was gone. Mm-hmm. You know, Tamara, who I knew was deceased at the scene, suddenly she was in that light with me. And she was emphatic that I come back, that, you know, that I, I needed to return and raise our son. And I, I learned a lot about choice. You know, there I was looking at the woman I loved more than life, but I knew I had a little seven-year-old in the backseat of that car that I also knew was okay. I knew that he was banged up, but that he was going to be okay. And I made the choice to come back. Yeah. He needed his daddy. Yeah. In, in coming back, uh, and and that you know that that parent child relationship. I don't know if there's any stronger love than a parent for their child. I mean, yeah. that's what drove me back into this realm and why I made the choice to come back. And in doing so, I found myself wandering through a hospital. And when I say wandering, just moving about, mm-hmm. I, I have no concept of time in this goodbye in this bubble of light. I later found out that people arrived at the scene of the accident. You know, Spencer, my seven-year-old son, was was taken care of and taken to the hospital. I had to be extricated from the car, and I was life-flighted because of all my injuries to a level one trauma center. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything. I only knew that I had wrecked the car. I had said the most profound goodbye I'll ever say. And I found myself moving through the hospital, encountering the doctors and the patients and the nurses and the families of the patients. But when I say encountering them, Somehow being in that out-of-body state, I, I knew them perfectly. I, I knew their love. I knew their hate. I knew their motivations. I knew their, I, I knew their lives as if they were me, and there was an absolute oneness, a, a connection, a, a, a love, and a, and a what? A, a knowing that we were all one and that everyone was on their perfect path, and I was filled with this incredible sense of of love there was no judgment or comparison suddenly we were all one you know what really well just when reading your book knowing it's a very very good book i just there was so much in it that inspired me you know and i and i'm just going to just mention this because it's coming up and when we really pay attention in life you know, it's like when Tamara and I know that, um, and we won't go too deep into this, but Tamara, Tamara had dreams of you marrying somebody else. That was before the accident. And the other thing that really blew me away, Jeffrey, when I was reading the book, and just because I've done hospice for so long and I've worked with dementia patients and Alzheimer patients, that your grandfather, the day that you visited him with the kids, he was clear. Yes. No, and I'm to me, you. that yeah. was like, that was... When, when we talk about, in this show today, we're going to talk a lot about love. And when we talk about love, what amazes me is, because this happened with 911 or 911, people always tell me, correct me on that, on 911, was I actually read a book about that. And all of the spouses that passed away all had dreams very similar to what was going on with Tamara. Yeah. 
And the wives would be just be like, oh, no, honey, it's fine. Well, no, they wanted to get an insurance plan. And, you know, maybe we need to get a life insurance plan. And like weird things just before it all happened. And that's, it reminded me of that when I was reading your book, that there were like these little subtle signs in your marriage that something was coming. Yeah. And it's, it's in hindsight. It's always in hindsight. That yeah. Agreed. And I'm glad you, you brought that up. Yes. You know, Tamara had had a dream and, and, and I was marrying someone else, which to me was incredibly troubling. I'm like, dear, you know, I'm in love with you. What do you, you know, why would you right. have a dream right. That. And and I think maybe one of the most poignant moments was was when we left the house and and as you mentioned we had gone to visit her family mm-hmm. and we had been called by her father and saying hey you better come see grandpa he's not doing well her grandpa yeah was. yeah but yeah on the day of our visit he was crystal clear he he knew me he knew her he even remembered the grandchildren's which would be his great grandchildren's names exactly. When I read that, I was like, okay, yeah, they're, they're, he's getting to say, they're getting to say their goodbyes. Yeah. And I, I, thought, I thought, wow. I mean, you know, you know, it, it's not as bad as they told me. They told me he wouldn't remember any of us. And we had this beautiful visit. But as we left the house that Monday morning before the accident, mm-hmm. I was just pulling away from the curb and, and Tanya, or, sorry, Tanya is my current wife. Tamara yes. <laughs> said. Two great women. Yeah, the two magnificent women. But Tamara stopped me and she said, wait a minute, I, I just want to go say goodbye to mom and dad one more time. Now, mm. I had no idea the accident was coming, but it was that whisper. It was that whisper of, I'm just going to go. And, you know, again, in hindsight, yeah, I, I noticed how she ran up to her mom and dad and not only hugged them, but she kissed them each, yeah. you know, and, and, and I noticed that. And then, of course, as the day played out, that was the last goodbye. Um, you know, in hospice, I witness things like this too, but it, what it's done for me is made me ultra, ultra sensitive to human beings and life because things can change so quickly. And I believe that God, the universe, whatever it is that you call your creator is constantly helping us. And it is so, um, it, it's so clear reading your book all of the help you got on this side because what did you how many surgeries did you have like eight 18 18 surgeries right 18 surgeries in total yes yes and it seemed to me that there was just you were getting help the entire time so let's fast forward to tanya when you met her you know it was so relatable to me because all of us you know when you meet somebody and you on top of it having just lost your wife go through a myriad of just, am I doing the right thing? Did I say the right thing? Or why am I feeling like this? And all of those emotions that came up for you. And then when you got to talk to Tamara at the gravesite, and it makes perfect sense that she found her for you. You know, she'd want yeah. you to be happy. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. I mean, when I met Tamara, when I was just a young man, I was 21 years old. Yeah. And she walked in the room and and there was this this knowing, once again, it was beyond love at first sight. And, and of course, she was gorgeous and attractive and, and all of that. But there was this knowing that, wow, there she is. Yeah. And I was quite shy. I mean, the miracles probably that I introduced myself and spoke to her. But that obviously became a, a relationship and a courtship and a marriage. And, and then Tanya, who in many ways is the hero of the story, my current wife. I mean, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, she came onto the scene, and it was a deja vu. I, I was at yeah. a, I wasn't dating. I was focused on on getting you know working and 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 raising my son. And I had hired a nanny and the assistance I needed that way so that I could maintain our livelihood and and still see that he was taken care of. But but Tanya walked in the room, and it was the same thing. It was like wow. You got, it was like you got hit out of left field, like ba-bam. <laughs> I, I, I did. And, and in fact, at the time, it was so bizarre in a way. I, 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 I remember sitting there in the room having that incredible deja vu of when I had met Tamara, my first wife, mm-hmm. that yeah. I, I thought I, I probably need professional help. Maybe I should see a psychiatrist. I'm I know, too, I remember. I'm too sick. I'm too... But 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 as you said, the divine, the, the, the creator, God, whatever you want to call it, the universe was sending these messages and was nudging me all along the way. And yeah. then as, as you've outlined, uh, you know, I, I, I felt guilty. I'm like, how could I have feelings for another woman? And this was, you know, this was months after I had met Tanya and we'd become friends and she actually uh, had moved to Arizona. We were kind of pen pals. But yeah. I, realized, I realized I'm falling in love with this person. And I went to my late wife's gravesite and just poured my heart out. And I was angry. How, how could you leave me? I mean, how could you go? I'm, I'm here trying to raise our son and I'm so incredibly lonely and I, I don't even walk right. You know, I'm limping on a prosthetic limb. How dare you go? And uh, she let me know in a very profound way that she loved me enough to go that that was all part of a very, you know, profound plan, that it was a contract that we had agreed and that she loved me enough to go because I wouldn't learn or get what I came here to get without her doing so. Yeah. There's a beautiful quote in your book, and I'm going to read it right now because it's perfect timing for it. You put, um, it's on page 64, I believe, it's life is what teaches us everything we came here to learn wearing the body throughout our lives in sincere acknowledgement that we are more than our flesh, plants us in a holy place continually. Isn't that is so beautiful to be just look at your life that way. Then it's like, you know, I mean, I love saying to people, you know, especially with my own clients, there are no mistakes. There really aren't. You know, there's, there, you're always being helped, always. There's, there's, it's, it's always there. And it, it was so beautiful the way that was portrayed in the book with her. And did you find that, that when you say, and I want this for other widows that could possibly be listening to the show, was your love just it, the love that you have at Tamara? It was just different what you have with Tanya. And I think that's where people get into trouble when they've lost their spouse. And then they think, how can I love somebody else? And it's yeah. just different kind of love. It's a different love, and, and it's a unique love. And, and we, we, we tend to think we can fill that void or fill that hole. No. You know, the love for Tamara will never be filled by anyone else. That, that's that's a, a, a place in my heart forevermore. But Agreed. When Tanya came in, it was a new and a different and a unique love that was for Tanya. And I found that love can expand. There was no limit yeah. to love. And, and I think it's really important to just, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that we talked about this. And I know that there's someone who is very dear to me whose husband died very tragically as well. That was like the hard threshold to get over is you're abandoning them or you're not loving them anymore because somebody else came in. But then again, look at the big picture of love from God, the universe, your creator. 
want you to be happy here. Well, and that's what was so beautifully communicated by Tamara, my first wife who had passed. When I'm at the gravesite saying, I can't stand this. And, and, you know, she's saying, I loved you enough to go. And, and of course, you know, I was yeah. arguing. I, I said, but I'm having feelings for another woman. And she literally laughed at me. <laughs> I thought that and was so cute. Said, of course you are. I would do. No, of course you are. I know who you are. I know how you are. And that, that's what was so beautiful is she said, I sent her. Yeah. I, I, am, I am grieving with you. In fact, and, and, you know, it was communicated that I was in some ways holding her hostage in my grief. Because she could only be as happy as I was. She, you know, we're still connected. And, and her yeah. love for me didn't die when she died. And she's watching <laughs> me hobble through this life. And she's saying, please choose joy and be happy. That's I, I will be happy when you are. So open up to this new relationship, this new love, and see where it goes. And I've so- got you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really beautiful. All of the way all of that was planned out. It just feels like you were so like in this this cocoon of people just helping you make your way, you know, and get through everything that you needed to get through. And one of the other messages in your book that I thought was so beautiful, and I really related to this, was it doesn't it it feels more like a remembering, a remembering, you know. And when when that spiritual aspect of us, you know, from your accident, it just opens you up. And then as you move forward through your journey, it's more of a remembering, you know, I've, do you know what I mean by that, Jeffrey? It's like you're, you're not really learning something new. This is inside of you. And you're more of remembering the divine person that you are through everything that you've gone through the suffering. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up because that was it. I mean, I, you know, I will say things like, well, we're here to learn. And, and yet I would have these profound out-of-body experiences. And it wasn't like I was learning. It's like I was literally remembering what was. And I, I love the word remembering. remembering. Yeah. Putting together all the pieces, you know, bringing it back into oneness, into wholeness, where that is our natural state. We're going through this life in, in many ways experiencing what we're not, that we yeah. might remember who we truly are. And it's, 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 it just brings, I, I have words in my mouth right now. I can't get them out. It's more of a feeling. It's, it's like, I always used to think to myself until I read a lot and, and through my own experiences with hospice and stuff that life was just this, it was just this test. And I thought it was cruel. I used to think, God, this is just, you know, there's so much suffering on the earth and it, you know, why does it have to be so hard? And, and it's, it's more of looking at it through a different lens and, and knowing that it was that your life is a gift, even with all the suffering. And that was one of the things that I think you learn um, through Tamara and through Tanya, both of them. You yeah. had yeah. here, you had, God did not want me to be hurt and feel put at, like put out upon that your your wife had been taken from you, your son had been taken from you. He was providing you with an opportunity and perfect love to hand them over to God. You had a spiritual experience that I'd like you to just kind of talk about a little bit. And it suddenly made sense that everything that happened to you, this horrific accident, was part of your divine order of your life. Yeah. And that was the most profound part of what 
No kidding. You know, a near-death experience or not. Yeah. It was the at the end of my hospital stay, and I was absolutely devastated. I mean, half the family was gone. Yeah. My body was broken. I was in a wheelchair. You know, I couldn't use my right arm. I mean, everything that I had thought was me. You know? I know. I cried when I read it, but it, it, it was because of the way it hit me. It was like when, when you said that wasn't you, you know, you learned without a doubt that you are not your body. You are way more than this man who, you know, the, the physical aspect of you. And right. that's the power and the faith and the courage that could keep you going. Yeah, and I, I I may have had a cheat sheet in some ways because I did have that glimpse into the other realms where, uh, you know, and, and gosh, it's all in great detail in the book and knowing. But yeah, I got so to beautiful. hold my I got to hold my little son in the other realm. He had passed. He had he had been killed in the accident. But as I left my body and went in the other realm, I encountered him. I was able to hold him. And he was and, like in a crib, right? He was in a crib. He was in a crib, and I and he was sleeping, and I and I picked him. Mm. And I held him and it was so physical. I mean, here's the crazy thing at that point, this was months after the accident. I was still wow. in the hospital. I was in the hospital for almost five months, but yeah. I'm, I'm having this physical experience that transcends anything in this realm. It was, it was, that, that was real. This is the crazy foggy dream. And yet as I held my little boy, the divine creator held me. And, and, and that's when the lid came off and this download mm-hmm. of peace and truth about remembering. Um, I, I, I was holding my little son, which was perfect and precious and beloved to me. And yet in the arms of the creator, I realized that on a very personal level, I was beloved. I was, yes. I was perfect. And if I was then every single one of us are in such a profound way. Mm. It, 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 it rippled out. And, and I just thought, wow, I, I, like you, had grown up thinking and believing that life was a test. Mm-hmm. God was going to judge me. I was probably in trouble based on, you know, yeah. how it was going. And yet in those, in those loving arms, which there really aren't words for, mm-hmm. I realized that life is an absolute gift. That, that every day, every moment, every encounter is perfect and beautiful for my soul's remembering. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, things happen in life and my judgments of it might be that's bad or that's wrong. Mm-hmm. But at a higher perspective, I realized, wow, I got the full ticket to the full feature film with the drink and the popcorn and all of it. But <laughs> But that, but I also, put it. Yeah, yeah, but I also got the sticky floor and the gum under the seat. I got to have the whole exactly. human experience, and 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 what a gift! Because if nothing else, it created compassion and empathy. I I I will never look on another's suffering the same way because of what I experienced, or I'll never yes. look on another soul and not see divinity because of what I experienced. But I, I think that little peek into those higher realms is what brought the insight. I mean, I, I you know, I, I'm not going to sit and take credit and say, hey, I figured this all out on my own. No, But, but, I, but I, I had a, a beautiful experience, which opened me up to it. And then it was like a flood of, wow. I right. Right. And if we can, all of us, you know, and, and for me, I've not had a near-death experience. I've had a lot of very beautiful experiences, but not <clears throat> a near-death experience. And I find that when you can embody what's in your book and 
things that I've heard from other people, it, it makes your life a little easier. Excuse me. So like if you think of everything that's going on <clears throat> in the world right now, when you remember that you're a divine being and this is part of your adventure, you chose to be born in this time, yeah. then it kind of changes the perspective on it, right? Yes. And, and that was the epiphany <coughs> as well in those loving arms where I had believed that, oh, God sent me here and God did this and this was a test. When I realized not only was it a gift, but that I had created it, that I had created it for my own soul's expansion and that Tamara played her part and Griffin played his part. And, and they said, we'll break your, way, your heart in ways you can never imagine. But yeah. in that broken heart will be the growth and the development and the remembering of who you are. And, 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 and that all of it was in divine order. You said there were no accidents. And that was, that was the realization in that scenario is there were no accidents. And we have to, in perfect order. Yes. And we have to like remind ourselves of this all the time. You know, when, when I'm out in the world or, you know, I'm in the car with my husband or whatever, and there's people that are doing stuff, they just, I, I kind of try and bring it back to literally in traffic, a divine level. Like the people aren't just thinking right now. They're worried about what's happening in the world or got to go pick up their kid or whatever. And people just don't, they don't think. But when you, uh, to me, when I embody that I'm a divine being, all the time, it really helps me not to be so judgmental or frustrated and things like that. And when you talk about unconditional love, I want you to kind of nail this down for us. You say in your book that Tanya taught you a lot about unconditional love. Yeah. And you're a married man. So, and I think that'd be helpful for all of us. I mean, what does that look like in a marriage? Because sometimes, you know, it's kind of hard to have unconditional love when you are you're in me mode or there's something that you want to do and your partner doesn't want to do it or there's something that you, you know, that's big or I don't know where you have to really take a deep breath and go, okay, can I love unconditionally here? Can I just make that choice? I, I you get right to the meat, Nina. I do. <laughs> this is, this, yeah. This is a, a huge question because unconditional love to love without conditions. I mean, mm-hmm. even, even, uh, you know, Gosh, we say marriage. Well, that's all full of conditions, right? I mean, here's the rule: compromises, conditions. Yes. Yeah, and 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 yet, you know, and yet, unconditional love is a love without conditions. I I I experienced this in some ways, uh, even before I met Tanya, because I was so lonely and mm. and so miserable and grieving so hard. Yeah. And and this is I, I I don't share this publicly, but that, that was a dark night of the soul, and I actually had the thought, boy, I hope Tamara's not alone there, mm. because I would hate to have her feel like I'm feeling. I would hate mm. to have her experience this. And then I, I I almost caught myself and said, whoa whoa whoa, wait a minute, what are you saying? And yet and yet I realized that love allows and love gives and i'm not talking about some weird strange you know kinky thing no no i'm I'm saying that that unconditional love doesn't put conditions and expectations it loves and it gives freely and fully i mean it's almost that old thing of the bird in the cage if you love it let it go and if it's yours it comes back which seems like a simple almost nursery rhyme philosophy but i realized and 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 when Tanya came into my life, and, and Tamara is the one that told me, I chose her because she'll teach you unconditional love 
I thought, oh, I will love her unconditionally. Of course, I've experienced that. I was in the arms of the creator. I want to be a manifestation of that divine love. Mm -hmm. And yet, Tanya is the one that came in. I mean, not only did she become my wife, she became Spencer's mother. Yes. You know, I mean, this was not an easy thing for a single girl who was footloose and fancy free and living her life. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know... And, and our, our, the beginning of our relationship was me telling her how much I missed my wife. I mean, I even said to her at one point, how is it that you can love me when all I've told you is how much I loved my first wife? I mean, yeah. how does that work? And she, you know, she laughed and she said, Jeff, that's half the attraction. Knowing that, you can love yes. at that level. Knowing that you can love at that level. And then also, you know, she was just so amazing that way and and she had plenty of other choices i mean tanya is a talented gorgeous brilliant bright woman and and she didn't have to marry a one-legged man with a son you know what i mean but she but she she saw something in that and she came into our lives and loved us unconditionally we adopted two boys and we don't even call them our adopted sons they're just our sons but that her example of unconditional love love without conditions in fact early on and I was, you know, I took all the pictures of Tamara down as, as Tanya and I were engaged and planning to be married. I, I I started putting things away in the house and Tanya came over and said, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And I said, well, out of respect for you, you're going to be my wife. I should probably put the things away, right. you know, of my first marriage, which seemed to make logical sense and, yeah. and, and does. But she took one of the pictures of Tamara out of the boxes I was putting them away in. And she said, how, how dare you? And she put it up by Spencer's room, Aww. you know, on his nightstand and then one in the hallway. She said, that little boy deserves a picture of his mom. And yeah. she said, you deserve that. That's part of you. She said, I'm not threatened by a woman that's passed. And in fact, you know, Tanya had even had impressions from Tamara, who she never met nor knew in this life. Mm. But she stepped into it, and, and yeah, if anyone's taught me unconditional love, because I, I continued to grieve. I was a mess for a decade after the accident, emotionally, physically, and Tanya put up with it all. I just and loved me unconditionally yeah. until I found my own way, and, 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 and she's incredible. What a beautiful woman. I mean, it's, just so, it's such a beautiful story. When you talk about, you know, we talk about our divine purpose and our own divinity you gave you know and I think what I've learned in my own life is that's a key it's just reminding myself all the time I get frustrated just with our world because I just do and I I know that I need to like uh, embody my divinity even more know that it's all going to work out no matter what and it's there's divine order to all of it even though it's it's kind of hard sometimes right the things that you see but when you gave this example in your book, I thought that was really good. You had Gandhi, Mother Teresa, and Jesus. I thought, okay, what's he going to do with this? And it was so great. You put, it was not the religion that gave them their power. Their power came from knowing who they were and their connection in, to the creator. I realized that in that knowledge, they lived and loved in divine ways, and I could too. Yeah, I um, and again, (laughs) I like that a lot. (laughs) That was a dream or a vision I had because my experience had had 
been so different than religion. It had turned my belief system inside out and upside down in many ways. And, and I had a dream of, of Gandhi <laughs> that I knew little about except right. what I in school, but I saw his religion, mm-hmm. you know, a, a Hindu. And, and yet what I saw was his love and, and for his people and what he stood for. And, and I also got to feel in this dream or this vision how he felt about his ceremonies and his culture and his traditions. And the same with Mother Teresa. I felt her love. Mm. I felt her commitment to humanity. And then, you know, uh, Jesus, which was interesting because I'm, I'm a Christian. I grew up in a conservative Christian home and I'm thinking, wow, there he is, the master. And yet I experienced him in his Jewish faith and yeah. why he practiced the Jewish uh, traditions and ceremonies, which he did, which was interesting as a Christian, but I experienced his Judaism. Yeah. And how beautiful that was. And, and, and yet that was the point of the dream. It was explained to me in the dream that it was the, not the religion that made them powerful. Here you had a Hindu, a Christian, and a Jewish person. It was their connection to the divine and their commitment to love that made them amazing. And all of them, I read books with all about all of these people, obviously Jesus, but they're, they're, they all went through a very dark night of the soul. Oh, absolutely. Mother Teresa went through a very dark night of the soul. She felt very abandoned and lonely at one time, and um, but she just kept going, and it's because she knew who she was. Yeah, and, and, and I think yeah, yeah, it's very important to, and, and that was what else what I got from knowing. It's it's this constant like okay, when you were just talking about in your when you were uh, overthinking and you were took the pictures out of the house t- tomorrow and all of that. That it's it's then again circling back to who you are and coming back to your divinity, like how it's almost like you want to say, um, how would I put this? When you come, when you when you can get back to who you really are, when your brain starts the story, right? The story of, you know, Jeff, you got to take these pictures down, and you know, you're marrying this woman. Where does that come from? And that's the kind of the question I use in my own brain where I'm inquiring. I'm go, where where is that coming from? Where's that thought coming from right now? That's not a divine thought. That's yeah. me overthinking something. Yeah, no, because it doesn't feel good. I, I do that all the time, and we all—I I believe we all do. do. I don't know what it's like to be someone else, but the ego—you know—that that voice within us that really is kind of based in fear, you know. And uh, and then there's the heart, you know, or that inner that inner knowing. And and I ask myself all the time: Am I operating out of love, or am I operating out of fear? And and by asking, what would love do in this situation? No, I might have thought that love would take down all the pictures, right? Right. But that's when Tanya stepped in and said, no, love would care for this child and honor the memory of his mother and yeah. even your memory, because that's the higher road. That's- the higher road. Yeah. So I think, you know, just if for audience sake, you know, and I, <clears throat> I know myself and other people that I know, you know, it's just your, your brain starts to. It just starts a story. And one of the ways that I always stop, and in fact, I can usually just see it in a person's face intuitively. It's like, okay, where are you going? Where are you going with that thought right now? Let's come back to the present moment, which kind of takes you right out of that. And I think, and the breath are two things that bring you back into that place where, okay, just remember who you are and what's happening here. 
you know, and, and of course the angels that come in and help you like Tanya did, you know, and just said, oh, no, 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 <laughs> you know, we're not going to do that, you know, so she was like just, your, you know, your little earth angel too. Yeah. Yeah, it's been incredible. So unconditional love that, uh, and, and you know, love is unconditional or isn't really love, right? Right. But, but, uh, yeah. but this is how we learn, you know, and this is the thing that's in your book. It's it's about what you learn from that and all the little gems and pieces that put together you learning about unconditional love and you learning about your divinity and then sharing it with the rest of us, Jeffrey. And that's the beauty. And that's what we all need, you know? And and like, you know, the show, Inspiring End of Life Conversations is so much about exactly that, being inspired by death, being inspired by what happens to people with all these different journeys that go on through our suffering. And you suffered a lot. You really did. <laughs> you've been through so much and, and you've come out in ways that are just beautiful, you know, and, and so if you took that even deeper, sorry, I'm going away here, but if you took that even deeper to sometimes I call it a contract or what we came here to learn, you, you've with flying colors, you know, everything that's come into your life, you took a hold of it and you ran with it, even though it probably didn't feel like that. Thank you. It's so kind of you to say that. And, and yeah, we come here to learn, but it's like, what did I come here to be? You know, we have a choice. There's always a choice. Mm-hmm. And no matter what happens, we can choose how we experience it and how we manifest through it. Yeah. Well, you know what? We're going to go to break and we get back. I want to talk about Spencer a little bit because that little boy has grown up to be a quite a little man. Yes, he has. It's beautiful. So we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nina offers an alternative to traditional counseling. Sessions are not just 50 minutes, but a full hour. When you go in for a regular counseling session, many times you don't remember everything. Nina's difference is a summary email after each session and or a follow-up phone call if needed up to two weeks after. Nina also provides hospital visit consultations as necessary. Sessions with Nina and Paula are $250. And if you book a three-session package, you will get a $100 discount. Let's get you feeling peaceful and happy again. Losing someone we love is one of the most challenging, fearful, and heart-rending experiences we are ever likely to face. In her book, Dearly Departed, Nina Impala shares stories of her experiences as a hospice volunteer for more than 12 years and how those experiences prepared her for the final days of her own parents. Nina emphasizes the importance of being a good listener and living a good life. Dearly Departed by Nina Impala is available in paperback or Kindle edition through Amazon.com or your favorite book retailer. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are 
listening to Inspiring End of Life Conversations. If you have a question for Nina Impala or her guest today, call into our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to tutoringforthespirit at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hey, and we are back with Jeffrey Olson, author of the amazing book, Knowing. And so we were just talking about all these wonderful things that bring divine order in our lives. And But I wanted to talk a little bit about Spencer, because he is also one of the main characters in this wonderful story. Um, he was an incredible little boy and has grown into quite the young man. And one of the things that I just want to comment on here. Jeffrey, is the way that you helped him move through his finding his faith because mm-hmm. yours was so different and the conversation that you had with him the day that he was. Oh, that's, it's beautiful. And, and, and quite honestly, I think he helped me. <laughs> I, I, uh-huh. I sometimes feel like Spencer was an older soul, a wiser soul. Yeah. Hey, Dad, I'll come walk through you. you know, I'll, I'll walk with you through this, even if you limp and we'll figure it out. But definitely he I mean, had that energy. You know, I mean, to put it in context, he was a little boy, a seven-year-old boy who had lost everything I lost. He lost his mother. He lost his brother. He lost his father in many ways. I was never going to be the same, but I had that cheat sheet, as I said. I, I had these glimpses into a higher realm. I had these brushes with the divine that, that, that gave so much more courage and made more sense of things. He didn't. He was a little boy. He never had that experience. And he was trying to make sense of it. And, um, and uh, yeah, in his early adult life, you know, he, he, he finally said to me, look, Dad, I, I don't get it. I mean, I, I beat my knuckles bloody um, looking for that thing you called God, and, and the door never opened. I never got an answer. <laughs> you know, I, I've given up on that. And uh, it, it was interesting because… But you just listened, you know, and that presence of that energy was palpable, even reading the book. Yeah, I, I just listened, but I went home that night and fell on my knees and oh, said, okay. I'll, I'll give everything away. I mean, as a father, you know, I mean, he was in a rock band and some yeah. of the guys were going to jail. And I'm like, look, he's going he's gonna to lose all, all direction here. Yeah. And okay. it was so interesting because I got an answer that night. And I don't profess to talk to God every day, but I had a powerful connection. And what I was told is, why are you judging your son? Don't you know that his path is perfect and it's far different than yours? You had your experience. He has his experience. And that's for his soul's expansion and growth. And, and that's perfect for him. Yeah. And it's, it's that little whisper that just came in and told you and gave you a little pat on the shoulder. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And, and it turned out okay. I mean, my son is probably the most compassionate man I know. He's, he's done children's after school programs. He was always a musician. Mm. And, um, you know, he, he kind of said, hey, you know, I know you have these dreams and visions. I don't. But I'm going to be a tangible manifestation of love. I'm going to be that person that if some kid's struggling, they can come through and talk instead of just praying harder you know, and, and, and he puts together little rock bands and they do concerts, mm. but he allows young people to express themselves and to find their voice. 
and to realize they can trust each other and, and other people and find their way without it having to look a certain way, honoring Correct. the individuality of each of us. See, and that's, that's unconditional. Unconditional. There you go. It's unconditional. That's it's just true. allowing them. I, really important, you know, to just be a listener and just be presence. You know, it's something that I really believe in. You know, I, I know we're going to, time's going to go by quick here. And I wanted to talk about something else with you. So in this time, Jeffrey, you know, I would have to say, I mean, I'm guilty of it too, watching the news at night and stuff, trying to see what's going to happen with the pandemic, with all of the different things that are going on. People are in this place where there's, you can just feel it. There's a lot of resistance and there's so much fear. When I go out into the world, I try not to be that. And it's not through words. It's just my energy. I try and, you know, walk into a store or smile at people, you know, try and relax everybody. But what we've talked about this whole show is about divinity and love. And when you're in a place of fear of like what's going on, it's so interesting because that's part of the story. It's not who we are. It's the story that we're in right now in this earth in 2020. Mm -hmm. And there's so much resistance that it's almost like it's almost like you put two magnets together at the wrong sides. Nothing's connecting. You can't put it together. Yeah. We yeah. don't know the future. We have no idea. No. And, and, and it's the duality that we live in. And, and then like in many ways, it's almost like the resistance, like the, the weight in a weight room that a, you know, a weightlifter goes in and lifts to, to build muscle. It's heavy. I mean, yeah, I, it is heavy and it's chaotic. And yet from my perspective, here's what I know. Okay. I mean, when, uh, you, you, when you plant a bulb in the fall, we, we did this recently here, you put the bulb in the ground, it has to go deep, deep, dark in the ground, and that bulb literally has to come apart to ever bloom and grow into something beautiful. And I literally feel like right now, it's the coming apart. It's the coming apart that something far more beautiful can bloom out of it, but it is up to us. And and this whole division, I mean, we have so much, whether it's sexism, racism, even political parties, you know, yeah. it's like there's so much division and, and, and segregation, which is the resistance to us remembering that we are one. Yep. I mean, what, what would happen if humanity just threw down and said, you know what, we're done. We're done playing this game and telling this story. Yes. Let's, let's stop war. Let's join arm in arm, let's, let's come together in a way of unconditional love and change this world once and for all, mm -hmm. where there's acceptance, where there's peace, where there's beauty, and where there is love, where we can all thrive together. I mean, I really believe it's up to us. I think that's the game we're playing. Are we going to put aside this us and them mentality? Agreed. Finally step into we. Yeah. And as I, we, we can solve it. Otherwise, we're just going to continue to beat our heads against the wall and against each other. So interesting. That new little uh, social media um, site is called Me We. M-E-W-E. Mm. That is, there's, it's kind of a, a new evolving kind of social media that's supposed to be more about coming together instead of being apart. And it's called mm -hmm. Me We. I thought it was a very tricky little name. Mm -hmm. Well, we... we um, 
we I wanted but before we get to the end of the show, I really want you to talk about uh, the retreat that you're doing because I don't want to lose that in the end. We're not quite there yet, but let's talk a bit, little bit about your um, all your websites that you've got and different things that you're doing, Jeffrey, so people can come. That one day thing sounds great, but go ahead, you tell about it. Yeah, well, and you know, COVID has changed a lot of things. I do a ton of virtual things. Okay, but uh, you can contact me through. Envoy Publishing, E-N-V-O-Y, which is French for messenger. Envoypublishing.com gives you access to books and retreats. I'm doing something near Salt Lake City, Utah in January. Okay. It's a one-day intensive retreat, and yet because of COVID, seating is very limited. We're going to social distance and follow all the rules, and they'll also be videoing this, and you can access it through the Wholeness Network. Okay. But I'm going to be doing a, a, an intensive six-hour workshop on oneness, being okay. one, first of all, with yourself, and then being one in your relationships, and then being one with the divine. Mm. Break that into some really cool segments, and I know they'll break it into six one-hour segments online. But if anyone's near Salt Lake City or wants to do that, you can go to thewholenessnetwork.com forward slash retreats and you'll uh, you'll find the details there i'm just one of several presenters but uh, mine is uh, first up january 9th coming okay. just next month yeah oh that's exciting okay and your book knowing we can get that so you have the book knowing you have beyond mile marker 80 and then your first book i didn't grab that one but that was the very first one you wrote from 2012 yeah, yeah, and I, I never had any intention of writing a book. I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, <laughs> no kidding. I, I didn't even talk about this. Oh, it's so funny. I was very guarded about it, but okay. I was approached by a publisher, which I, I still, dear friends with the publisher, we, they, they asked that I do, that I tell my story, and that was I Knew Their Hearts. And that was oh. so, I mean, I figured my mother would buy a copy, but gosh, it hit number three on Amazon in the category in the first 10 days. And suddenly the publisher was like, you've got to do another book. And that's what springboard me into talking about any of this. But I did Beyond Mile Marker 80. I knew their hearts is about the accident and the near-death experience. Beyond okay. Mile Marker 80. And Mile Marker 80 is where the accident happened. That's about rebuilding a life and falling in love again and adopting children and, and building, you know, rebuilding but knowing is the book to get because knowing is a compilation of the first two books. Yeah. But with deeper insights and extended chapters right up until Spencer, you know, being only seven at the time of the accident, it covers him right up through where he, w- he was married a few years ago. And his oh. wife, our beautiful little Ashley's now in our family, but his, his mother as a guardian angel. And when I say his mother, he has two. He, he laughs and says, yeah, I got a mom in that realm and a mom here. He loves yeah. to. What and, a neat thing. Um, yeah, but it, it covers a lot of that. So knowing is the book to get, and you'll get both of the previous books within it. Yeah, it was really, it was just, it, it, the book really embodied so much about, it just kept bringing me back to remembering who you are. And I think that is a beautiful message that all of us need to embody. It's, we're so much more than these bodies. But your body is a very sacred, a very sacred part of you. It, it, it embodies you. It came here so that you could do what you need to do. You had another little thing in, in your book about, uh, it was talking about like, you know, when a priest wears the vestibule and things like that. Yes, you know, yeah. it's sacred garments. 
And when you look at your body like that, for me, it's just these little changes in perspective help me so much in my own life because we are completely bombarded with things that are going to challenge us. But in summing up, you know, what you talked about, choosing joy, I think that's something we all have to do before our feet hit the floor. Well, and, and it's a choice. And, and that's, you know, that's what I realized is, yep, I'm here. Things are going to happen. And they happen to all of us. And, and yet within it somewhere, if I can choose joy, if I can make the choice to be joyful, to be loving, regardless of what happens, that's where I'll find peace. And that's where my peace came is in choosing to be joyful. And you have, and I'm just going to end with this beautiful quote from you, to trust is peace, to love is perfect, and to know is divine. That's a little secret right there. <laughs> Put that on my refrigerator. Do it. That could be a good idea. Awesome. <laughs> this has been so great, Jeffrey. I really have enjoyed interviewing you and sharing all of your wisdom. And I highly, highly recommend his retreat. I think it would be amazing. There's two. Uh, there's several people on there that um, are also amazing that Jeffrey knows, and there's just there's just so much to glean from the book, from all of the writings and work that you're doing right now. So I just want to thank you so much for giving to this world what you did and making it so relatable, and sharing your story with us. Oh, you're really so beautiful. Kind. So kind. Thank you so much. And I'm only giving back what's been given to me. So thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome, Jeffrey. Thank you so much. And you have a wonderful Christmas and the rest of your holiday, too. Same to you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So I want to thank you all so much for listening to Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations today. And I'm just going to give a little, just be kind to yourself, be good to yourself. There's a lot going on right now. Open your heart. Know who you are. Take those deep breaths and realize that this is a story that you're in. You're going to be okay and everything's going to work out. It just is. So take care. Sending peace to your hearts and we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. We hope you have found hope in this week's edition of Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations. Please join your host, Nina Impala, for another program next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again soon.